0: Hello everybody and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. We have a fantastic show today. Today we're going to be celebrating Computer Science Education Week and we're going to be talking to the Executive Director for CSNYC all about coding programming, and why it's important for your teachers to learn a little thing about coding and bring it into your curriculums. We, of course, want to hear about everything happening in your school districts and get some great feedback on how you guys celebrated the Hour of Code. There's, of course, several great ways that you can connect with me and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. You can, of course, find me on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Leave me a voice message over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email me over at feedback at TeacherCast.net and we really appreciate it especially this time of year when you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube over at teachercast.net slash audio and teachercast.net slash video. And I want to remind you guys now is a great time of the year to leave us a nice review and five-star rating over there. We really, really appreciate it. And again, one more time, thank you so much. We have been celebrating Computer Science Education Week all this week. We just wrapped up a great show over on the Tech Educator Podcast where we had our friends from scratch on to talk all about why coding is hitting every student right at the right time in their education today my guest is michael preston the executive director of csnyc mike welcome to the show welcome to TeacherCast.
1: thank you it is a privilege to be here
0: thank you so much for spending your time today you're the executive director of csnyc and you guys are on a mission to
1: bring coding to every student in new york city isn't that right that's that's about it. Uh, we, we tend to say computer science because we define what we're doing uh, more broadly than coding, coding being, you know, uh, one, part of the basic tool set that kids are going to learn uh, as part of a, a robust computer science learning experience. But we are um, uh, I could tell you the entire uh, story in a short amount of time, but CSNYC is a three year old nonprofit that was started with the mission to bring computer science to every student in the New York City school system, which is about 1.1 million kids now. Um, but last year, we began a 10-year partnership with the New York City Department of Education and, and City Hall to, to bring together um, our resources and theirs to, to do this for real. Um, so we're, we're now just beginning uh, year two of 10, Um, And it's actually our first year of implementation. And so we're offering schools uh, annually an opportunity to get on board and start doing something related to computer science.
0: My next guest is a superintendent in South Jersey from the Waterford Public School District, uh, Mr. Jay Eitner. Jay, how are you today? Welcome to the program.
2: Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Jeff.
0: And talk to us a little bit about your school district. How are you guys celebrating Computer Science Education Week?
2: How are we not celebrating Computer Science Education Week is the better question. Uh, We have everything from the Hour of Code to guest speakers to a mini-presentation that's been rotated through each of our classes emphasizing Girls and Coding. I think that's been one of the most impressive things that we've done so far this week in terms of uh, Computer Science uh, Week. And we're also celebrating the Computer Science for All initiative, which was uh, derived from the President of the United States this past year, mentioned in the annual uh, State of the Union address, and we've been utilizing the resources under the hashtag CS for all, and uh, having a great time doing such.
0: You know, I love the fact that our, you know my two guests today are working really hard towards bringing computer science towards every single student i want to start today with mike and mike let's just kind of start at the beginning here you had said it's not coding it's computer science and i'm I'm seeing all these words we've got coding we got programming we've got could could you just help us and and figure out where to start if somebody's listening to this show that has no idea about any of this stuff but wants to get involved could you help us lay some groundwork give us some definitions here
1: sure um it's it's something that, that we talk about all the time i think coding coding has gotten, um, a lot of attention as, as a, you know, it's kind of replaced or uh, become a standard for many of the other words, just because it's easy to think about, you know, code.org, um, launched in 2013 and they have done an enormous, uh, a a really impressive job getting, uh, computing in, in the mindset of so many people and getting, uh, great activities, uh, into the hands of schools for the hour of code as well as longer activities and curriculum. Um, but, but, I think they, they would agree that coding is just one piece of the puzzle. It's it's in some ways, it's like the difference between writing and literature, um, which is, is computer science and like syntax and grammar and making sentences, which is coding. So you have to learn to code, uh, in some form or another, and that's a generic enough term that could mean any different kinds of languages. Um, but, but using uh, computer science fundamentals to make things happen. So you're instructing machine with code, but the, uh, you know, when you're trying to if you're writing an essay, you're trying to figure out what you're saying or what your argument is, that's that's computer science and, and it can take a lot of different forms.
0: You know, the neat thing about computer science education week and learning all these different skills is it really doesn't matter these days what device you have in front. Many schools are, are using, you know, coding activities through Chromebooks, iPads, iPhones, desktops, Macs. It seems like anybody right now has the ability to bring this into their curriculum.
1: That's right. I, I think what's exciting about it right now is that there's this explosion of uh, new curriculum, um, or bet more attention on what's already out there. There've been a lot of groups. I mean, NSF has been funding the development of computer science curriculum for more than a decade, um, and we have, have some really good evidence-based stuff. Um, the AP uh, course, the Computer Science Principles, which is the College Board's most recent, recently developed new compu- uh, AP. Uh, exam is, is officially launching this year with multiple different curricula you can use. So there's really no shortage of big and small things, you know, on-ramps, new new things that you can do in the school for an hour or a day or 20 hours, and then, you know, full year curricula. So there's there's so much stuff. Um, we recently launched a website at csforall.org, um, which is representing kind of a national network of organizations in the mix, including content providers, districts, um, researchers, funders, and so forth. And if you go there, about 100 of them, uh, we have about 300 members now, and, and at least 100 of them are content providers. So you can get a sense of all the different stuff in play.
0: Now, one of the things about this whole computer science education week is that we're trying to get teachers to, I don't want to say drop what they're doing, but introduce this concept of let's take one hour and bring some kind of coding computer science activity in there. Many teachers out there I know are looking at it going, well, what if that activity doesn't relate to my curriculum? You know, do I get in trouble? Do I, do I do something? Or what can I do in coding that might equal the lesson I'm supposed to do today? i got to start off by asking you, what advice do you have for those teachers who are not sure where to start, not sure why we're doing this? talked a little bit to those teachers who might be a little skeptical of this whole thing and really might be just a little intimidated
1: i have that's a a really good question i bet you that's a question that a lot of people are asking this week um when when teachers are are voluntold to do a uh an hour of code or activity or something that they've never tried before there's two answers really one is that that there there are a lot of curricula now that are aligned with different um, subject areas um so for example in new york city we have a, a terrific curriculum called bootstrap that is uh was started by good folks um at brown and wpi um, who uh basically created a a unit of of study uh in that can be embedded in an algebra class so kids are learning how to program to make functions uh in a in a a computing environment but they're also learning algebraic concepts so there are uh there's an increase in in the number of these these kinds of things that can relate to the things that teachers already know really well and many of them are even aligned to those standards however I I think it's also worth as, as a, as an educator and somebody who likes to learn, I would say that it's worth maybe uh, extending yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone and trying something totally new. Most of these activities are designed for learners who don't have any prior background. It's um, that the purpose of Hour of Code is just to get your first taste of it. And so for the teacher to become, you know, uh, to, to have an experience where they're, they're learning alongside their kids, or just a little bit ahead of their kids, I think is a good thing once in a while. Um, And it, it, uh, maybe helps everybody come to some sort of uh, common ground in, in learning a, a new subject.
0: Now, Jay, you're in a district, this is your second year here, I believe, second, third year, where you're introducing all of these concepts about digital creativeness, digital citizenships. Could you tell us a little bit about your story and how you are starting to make the digital divide a little bit smaller here with your kids?
2: So there's there's two essential points that you have to look at. The first one is meeting every educator and student where they are uh, in the realm of computer science, because on a one to 10, some people are going to be at a negative five and some are going to be at a 20. Um, the second piece of this is making sure that everybody that is involved actually has the technology to partake in such an initiative. So Uh, My past two school districts that I've been in, I've been focused on the idea that a zip code is not going to determine a child's education. And thankfully, uh, the federal government and state government have been very good at providing lots of different scholarships and opportunities for getting everybody, regardless of socioeconomic status, uh, the opportunity to get connected and get equipment to partake in such activities. So the the two initiatives that I've been pushing, uh, the the one initiative is uh, offered by the federal government as a subsidy. It was called Landline. Uh, it was established by Reagan back in the eighties, and the idea was to get president uh, to get all Americans a telephone in the household. Well, we've evolved since the telephone, and now we've been looking at things like you know wireless connectivity, uh, Wi-Fi in the house, uh, broadband internet. So now. Companies such as you know Comcast, Verizon FiOS, Cox, Xfinity Live, uh, national cable companies are offering uh, a program where if you are on a free or reduced lunch, and if your family qualifies for either the poverty level or a modified income level, so that's less than fifty-five thousand dollars a year, if your family uh, makes a family of four less than fifty-five thousand a year, those cable companies will offer you internet. For $10 a month. The federal government offers a grant that started December 1st, just last week, for $9.75 a month. So you're paying $0.25 cents a month for up to, uh, I believe it's 20 gigs of high-speed internet into your house. Um, getting that out to the both communities that I've been working in uh, is really... One of the, the the cornerstones of my work right now as a superintendent, because you know we could talk about computer science and we could talk about coding, but again, if you don't have the tools and if you don't have the technology available to do such, uh, it's it's kind of a lost cause. Even in school, in the day of you know BYOD and having that opportunity to utilize a myriad of, of different devices, uh, the second program that I've been working with as a superintendent is called Jersey On. And uh, it's in all 50 states, just classified under different names now. So it would be New York on, Massachusetts on, California on, et cetera. That program also offers uh, wireless hotspots to those that make less than $55,000 a year uh, for $78 for up to four gigs a month for five years. So $78, you get a hotspot for five years up to four gigs a month. And that's really changed the whole computer science initiative. Uh, I know that sounds a little bit offset of what we're talking about with all the computer science and the hour of coding. But again, getting those people, getting those students and parents and stakeholders, the tools that they need so they could understand and embrace this. That's where I come from as a superintendent, because if you don't have a community that understands the need for computer science, and if you don't have The resources to provide those to continue the education outside of the school, uh, you're you're kind of pitching to a lost cause. So utilizing those two programs, we've we've really been taking off uh, the past two years here in Waterford. Jay, can I ask you how you uh,
1: how you communicate about computer science to the families in your schools?
2: Absolutely. So uh, it it started off, uh, you know, uh, Waterford is a working class town. Um, they had their technology. They they invested in smart boards and a lot of technology, but they didn't understand the reason for doing such. So now with this this absolute lightning bolt of how fast technology is changing and how coding is being thrown around uh, as a part of our nomenclature, it's going out to the community and and really responding to them in a way that, look, this is going to benefit. This is almost just like, math and science and social studies like this is going to be a core subject because we're at that point in our lives where we have to have that 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 basic know-how of you know how to basically uh work a wireless microphone or how to operate and reset a computer i mean that's that's where we are and the computer science kind of takes it to a whole new level because now i'm telling the community members like look yes you you spent $2 million on Chromebooks over the past two years. But let me show you what this Chromebook does. And actually, I'm not going to show you your kid who's five years old. He's going to show you. And your daughter, who's in sixth grade, is going to show you how she could do this, 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 and this, utilizing simple computer science. So it's really, it's, it's, I hate to say it like this, but it's putting the onus on my students to really turnkey it and show the parents why this is important.
0: You know, Mike, it's one thing to be looking at a community such as Jay's. It's another thing to be looking at 1,700 New York City public schools. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey and and how, uh, you know, CSNYC is on a mission to bring 1.1 million public school students into computer science?
1: I mean, it's interesting that I think Jay's experience is not that different from what we're facing in New York, right? Our our kids are... you know, there's a there's a huge disparity in access and um, academic preparation and all kinds of things, school quality across the, the, the New York City school system. And so we have, um, you know, schools that don't have a lot of devices or connectivity or where kids opportunity to get online. It only happens at school. Um, and so we have to, what, what has been wonderful in the last uh, four years let's say um, a lot of the programs that we are involved in we, we we were founded in two thousand and thirteen we helped start a couple of schools before we were founded so technically we've been in, we've been functioning for four or five years now, but prior to that, tech, computer science was something that only existed in a few selective high schools in New York or um, a handful of schools that just happened to have had a computer science teacher because they had those skills already or or learned them on their own um, but the idea Uh, in 2012 or so that you could teach computer science in any school um, was uh, fairly controversial, and and it took some time to to show that that could work, Um, both because uh, for historical reasons, we had never tried to teach computer science to all kids. And secondly, there wasn't a pipeline of teachers who knew how to do it because there's no university programs. Most states don't have a certification pathway. So there was no real place to go and, and hire a computer science teacher uh, never mind, program it into your your school and and a lot of course credit for it. So the the you know we're kind of sailing against the wind at that point. Um, but after uh, several years of pilot programs, we reached about 150 schools, uh, had trained a ton of teachers from all subject areas: English, social studies, math, science, arts, you name it, and showed that with enough time and investment and um, some good curriculum, you could really do meaningful computer science at all grade levels big and small, um, amounts of time. So, so that's, that's kind of where we are. And New York city is as big as it is, is fairly decentralized principals make a lot of decisions on their own. They report to superintendents all over the city. Um, and so they are on the ground dealing with, uh, families, students, teachers, you know, making uh, the case for why their instructional decisions are meaningful and, and helping people understand and participate. So, um, so what we're doing is not that different. I would say it's just something it's just done at tremendous scale uh, in New York City. A pilot program might have twenty schools serving you know thousands of kids in it, and, and people you know it's kind of adorable you know. Whereas you know we're 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 the largest school district in the country by more than double. So so we have we have a challenge there.
2: So one of my questions, I guess, is is how are you, Jeff? Uh, I'm sorry Mike how are you you meeting everybody where they are It's um, a
1: good question so the D- the New York State Department of ed which is implementing this program now um, is basically offers uh, annual opportunities for schools to apply and basically opt into into programs um, where they can they can choose what kind of, of thing they want to offer um, actually it, next week I believe that they'll be going public with um 2017 offerings that are a whole range of things where the department of education runs its own programs um there are partner organizations that that we hire to, to come in and train teachers and cohorts um and so forth and um that what the team does at the department of ed um is to work with schools to to educate principals about what the opportunities mean help them uh Choose choose things that fit for the the needs of the school the the, the teachers that they think are going to be the the vanguard the first ones who are going to go through training and learn how to do this and help them basically come up with a plan so we assume we assume that most of the schools that we're going to be working with have no prior experience in this work um, and so it's a matter of of making decisions and getting them started and then if it do, if it turns out to be not a good fit to come in and choose something else so um it's really trying to what we're doing is is because the district is so big it's not a really a top-down approach where there's one prescribed curriculum but there's actually a a pretty big menu and um the the work on on us for the next couple of years is going to be uh describing what that means to 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 opt into a curriculum um in the past couple of months uh code.org um led a community development project to create a framework for k-12 cs that you might have seen Yes, K- k12cs.org, and so that's that's probably the best current currently available document to just explain to districts what is K twelve CS across the whole spectrum. So you can start, you know, aligning opportunities to that, and and you know, saying here's what you might do in fifth grade, or here's what you might do in ninth. So, um, and then and then matching up with uh, available curriculum, and making some comparisons. Mike, talk
0: to but, us a little bit about some of the things that are happening in those schools. I would assume that if you're going to be bringing in a whole computer science division the kids are pretty well stocked with technology with, with some kind of computers or, or what's been the biggest hurdle as far as the devices have gone in trying to bring in this, this kind of computer science
1: framework, the device, on the device side. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's something that varies quite a lot. It's not very standardized in the city. Um, typically, you know, over the last five years or so, schools have bought a lot of laptops. Um, you know, Jay alluded to buying Chromebooks. Chromebooks have really picked up quite a lot um, be, because of of price and you know the, the durability of uh, the operating system and those sorts of things. So I think that they make a lot of sense for schools. Uh, prior to that, we were buying MacBooks, um, which are uh, very expensive but last longer because they of the of their metal casings. So they there's. You know, any given school will have its uh, a completely unique footprint of 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 hardware, um, which makes it very challenging to to support from a district standpoint. But and it also means that some schools may prioritize hardware buys more than others. So so it's it's really disparate. But um, the schools are you know the, the district can assess their their readiness when they apply for a program. Typically, they'll they'll talk about you know. Uh, the, the leadership's perspective on you know, their instructional vision and their their distributed leadership and staffing and how they plan to integrate computer science as well as their you know hardware readiness to to put kids on computers all at the same time. Um, the district is also in the middle of a capital plan to uh, upgrade the wireless infrastructure for all schools and buy devices for schools, which is a long time coming. So that will that will help. Um, so that that's that's kind of the, the the lay of the land. I know schools especially in the younger grades, have bought a lot of iPads, um, the kind of coding curriculum that gets caught in, taught in those early grades uh, is, I mean, I don't think tablets are ideal necessarily for computer science, which is tends to still be involve a lot of keyboard input. Um, but there are certainly plenty of block based um, programs that that will work, work with tablets. So, you know, it's you see, you see a lot of different stuff.
2: I think one of the uh, – to piggyback on that, Mike, uh, one of the, the key ideas that we've been uh, exploring uh, with you know grades K and 1 per se is the fact that we actually did invest in tablets. And the reason we did that is not just for the computer science itself, but there's such a plethora of uh, apps that, that one can utilize on a tablet. Just to even get that, that cognition going and just, to, you know, the whole idea, the spatial tempora of actually going through and touching and moving and, and grabbing objects. And you, again, I mean, the, the apps are the focus. But uh, thankfully, I mean, even Code.org has an app now with iPads that you could utilize that's really uh, simplistic. But it it reaches the goal of helping students, you know, learning the basic concepts of coding. Yeah what do you, what are your what are your favorite some of your favorite apps uh there's there's way too many to list at this point but i think there's you know there's there's one of the things that i did um as a superintendent is i opened pandora's box if you will i t directors typically and i'm sorry if you were an i t director or if any i t directors are listening i apologize in advance but normally they're very whew, lock like nothing goes through nothing gets passed everything is blocked Uh, I instructed my IT director to open up the gates and let anything and everything go through. And we have now an app selection process where if a teacher wants to download an app, uh, thanks to our programming and the services that we have, we push it out to every single device. Uh, So, you know, it's not just a class set of, of apps. It's, it's going to be pushed out to every iPad that we have. So, you know, now that we have that process and it's not just me, uh, getting solicited by, you know, another vendor saying, hey, check out this app. It's really awesome. You know, it's really those teachers, they're the boots on the ground. They're the ones that are exploring and doing. And, you know, we all know so many educators do on their own time. If they find the apps that they want to use in their class, have at it. You know, who am I to tell you what's okay and not okay? You're the one who's in the classroom. You're the one who's going to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. So you know, giving that freedom has been a uh, tremendous benefit to our district and really a benefit to our teachers and students.
0: Can you guys talk a little bit about the professional development? Maybe, you know, what's happening in New York, what's happening in South Jersey here is, you know, as the guy that goes around the district and tries to, I hate to say, convince teachers that we need to try this or at least take an hour out to to do a, a code.org activity. How are your teachers being trained, motivated Talk to a little, uh, Jay, why don't you start with you, but what are you doing in Waterford with your teachers?
2: I think professional development is absolutely paramount for today. If you just give teachers the technology and say, here, use this, it's not going to get used. Uh, that happened uh, before, before I came there. Every classroom got a smart board, and they said, all right, have fun, and they got a document camera, and they said, okay, have fun. No training, no background, no knowledge on how to use smart notebook or how to use any software that's associated with the document cameras. And, you know, uh, smart boards were used as giant screens to broadcast VHS tapes and DVDs. So, you know, more and more you need that professional development to show people how this is going to work. So over the past two years, um, you know, I've been really fortunate. We have some really incredible Technology teachers and actually uh, librarians have traditionally taken on the role of, you know, not only checking out books, but running spaces at this point and also really being the tech go-to and the tech guru. And thankfully, I also have a, a technology coordinator. Uh, both of them have been absolutely dynamite from day one, who've, who've been really, you know, quote unquote, pushing in and walking around and helping teachers wherever they can possibly need the help and they're going to get the help and I'm very uh adamant about my teachers talking to their administrators and saying look I, I need to know how I could use this in a classroom or I need to know how to use this app properly well okay we're going to get you what you need uh, one of my my big three is is hire the best, get people what they need, and get out of their way. And I find that that philosophy has really come uh, full circle where I'm at now, especially with the computer science initiative. I think before computer science was something that maybe people dawdled in high school. Uh, now we're, we're hands-on where kids are you know utilizing Chromebooks every single day from uh, music class all the way down to social studies using a variety of apps and using – things that, that they know how to use. And, and I know, Mike, you stepped on this before some teachers, you know, they have that fear of like, I, I don't know how to use this. I I don't know what's going on, but you know, my teachers now are taking that concept of, you know, they're going to let their third grader show the teacher how to use this. And there's nothing wrong with that. There was that stigma for a long time of teachers, you know, getting outsmarted by the student. That's not the case anymore. You know, This stuff is so rapid and changing so fast, it's not uncommon where I'll turn to a handful of students uh, in one school and say, hey, what, what's up with this app? How do I use this? Or, hey, um, can you code this for me so that it'll work properly? And they'll do it. And there's nothing wrong with learning from, from other people regardless of their age. So it's just embracing that concept. That's the hardest part.
1: I couldn't agree more with that. I think that is a major culture shift. there's a bunch of culture shifts here, right One is that you're you may not be the you may not have the authority with the subject matter that you would like to right well we're training teachers who have established um, a high level of competence in in another subject area, and now we're asking them to stand up in front of a classroom full of kids with something that they don't really know all that much um, in some of the programs that we operate you know really the really intensive ones we'll have them for a hundred hours a year. They'll spend two weeks over the summer and one Saturday a month, uh, all together, like learning something that's pretty new and hard. Um, but they, they stick, stick together and they do it. And they, they actually form a a community typically around the the particular program that they're learning. Um, whether that's the AP course, the new AP course, or, um, something homegrown or, or, you know, there's a great curriculum called exploring computer science that, that, uh, comes out of UCLA. So there's, there's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity to bond with people who are are learning the same kind of thing. But uh, but back to Jay's classroom example, I think it's it's actually kind of amazing when you see a teacher um, become accepting of the fact that that the dynamic of a classroom is fundamentally different from the way that they're used to leading a classroom. Um, I mean, some very good teachers do are comfortable with a lot of kind of messy project-based learning and having kids teach one another and and kind of circulate around. But that, that becomes the hallmark of a a good computer science classroom where the, the, the work is, is by definition more inquiry and project-based anyway. Um, So getting, getting teachers comfortable with, with that kind of environment, I think is a really good first step.
2: Yeah, and and again, uh, the fact that that culture shift is going on right now and the fact that teachers are embracing that culture shift, we've really gone, you know, there's two phrases. There's the sage on the stage and guide by the side. So we're really taking that concept of, you know, being rows and teacher in front and lecturing and dictating to a real hands-on approach and having kids show other kids because let's face it kids learn from other kids you know uh, they're not going to listen to me lecture for 25 minutes they're going to learn from each other when they point out those facts so when a kid shows another kid a coding trick or shows them a website or shows them a new app i mean that's gold that's the educational process that we're looking at right now so and and computer science is, is such an important part of that and and you have a i don't i don't covet your position at all mike you (laughs) 1.1 million students is uh that's that's a big task my friend so kudos to you and your team for really going out there and showing people like you know this is the possibilities and this is where we can go and that's one of the cool things is that there's so many resources available now there's so many different opportunities there's so many different ways to collaborate uh 24 hours a day seven days a week whether it's reaching out to people on Twitter or it's signing up for a free, you know, it's going to code.org and getting free resources by the boatload. So it, it really rests upon the the learner and it, it rests upon the student to really go out and figure out what they want to use and how they want to use it.
1: Absolutely. I heard somebody say the other day that, you know, the American school system was designed in a pre-industrial era and uh, you know it, it's it's really funny to think that we're still operating within the the structures of people and time and space that uh, were set up a, a long time ago, and similarly, the kids are learning about the same subjects that that they studied back then right there's really not much new out there and uh, we spend a lot of time studying you know natural phenomena uh I, I heard a great example the other day of you know we kids Kids spend a lot of time studying volcanoes in school, but they don't really really have that many personal interactions with them. Whereas, you know, so much of the world we live in is designed and engineered, and your experience as a as a person in the world is is with objects and and technologies and things that have been designed for your use. And so, to give kids access to the idea that you are you are able to participate in that by creating the creating the the, the, the things that people interact with every day, that software, software doesn't just happen, you know, the, the the things that you look at on a computer didn't just magically show up there, somebody actually had to make a lot of decisions to design what you see, how it looks, how it works, what data you see, you know, there's there's an enormous amount of thought um, and decision making behind all that stuff. So um, I think it's an interesting opportunity, not just to bring a completely new content area in, but to actually think hard about how the the way in which they do it. So to learn how to be to be curious and to be a learner in in all uh, in all circumstances. You, know, you you just mentioned you know, looking it up. You know, like I, if 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 you or I get stuck on anything, our first inclination now is to go look it up. You go, you figure it out. And so I think giving kids the power to do that right away and then to help each other is is a great way to approach it. Absolutely.
0: We're talking today to uh, Michael Preston, the Executive Director of CSNYC, a fantastic organization that has a goal to bring computer science to 1.1 million students in New York City area, and Superintendent Jason Eitner from the Waterford Public School System. Um, Mike, I know you guys are running a meetup uh, um, over at meetup.com slash CSNYC education meetup. Are there other great organizations out there that you're partnering with to continue the mission of bringing in uh, computer science for all students?
1: So the meetup is, was actually originally designed for, for uh, teachers when we first launched um, three, four years ago now, um, because teachers were very isolated. Computer science teachers you, you tended to be like there was one of them in a given school. You didn't have a department. Um, and so we basically started meeting up at various donated spaces um, from you know local companies where they we said, can we borrow your space for two hours on a Thursday night? Um, And it's now evolved into a much more formal thing where we have teachers uh, in our community design and lead sessions where they teach each other about the work they're doing. Um, And I think that's really productive because it gives them visibility to each other and it also um, helps folks who have been trained in one specific program the opportunity to hear about what other folks are doing and and deepen their their content knowledge. So the meetup meetup is is something that we do um, because we started it and now I think we can't stop. Um, but there, but what we try to do, and this is true across our work is we just try to be a hub for what other people are doing. We try to, uh, communicate with everybody in the space, um, groups that, that make curriculum and train teachers or do youth facing work, um, and then, um, have, have those folks come together. So we just try to provide them with a platform. New York, we we're fortunate in New York city that there's a very robust education sector, lots of groups that do computer science, um, for teachers and for kids, um, we try to do uh, a, what we call a landscape meetup everywhere, every year. Um, we're doing one at the end of January at Google where we, we'll just bring together in a giant room everybody who's who's offering some kind of program. And then we'll get teachers and volunteers and sometimes students to come in and meet them and give them a, a, a sense of, of what's possible.
0: Mike, what do you see happening in other major cities? I would assume that a, a program like yours might be available in Chicago, Los Angeles. Are other major metropolitan areas having similar or different results from what we're seeing in new york city
1: it's a that's a good question it's it's a little early for results um everybody's new at this i think that's one thing that's really exciting and a little scary about this is that we're all kind of figuring this out as we go right. computer science in k-12 has, has been around a while um i mean my my first experience with computer science in schools happened de- decades ago when i was a student um but um Chicago was actually the first major uh, urban district to take on computer science. Um, and they now offer, it's required, a graduation requirement for all high school students in Chicago that they have to study, um, I think at least a semester of computer science, which is really impressive um, and, and, and light, pretty much light speed considering that they probably started working on this four years ago. Um, and so um, Chicago is a really big district. There's probably about 400,000 kids there. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of work to do, um, and we, we communicate very frequently with their team. Um, another s- district, uh, another urban district that just started was San Francisco, um, and they're taking a completely different approach. Um, they they actually are, are bringing um, computer science to all grades K to 8. We In New York, we, we're saying elementary schools have to have a plan, and so they can put it in any grade or, or subject area that they they. It's as the right place to do it for themselves. But in in, uh, in San Francisco, they're working on getting it to every elementary school and every grade. Um, and they're also doing a middle school program. And then I think they're leaving high school as more of an elective space, uh, sort of the, an inversion of Chicago. So, so I think what's great about this is that we can all communicate with each other, uh, compare our results with different curricula and different approaches, and see what happens as schools opt into things and try them.
0: Jay what what are you seeing as a superintendent? I mean I know we're we're pretty lucky to be in New Jersey where so many school districts are, you know, connected, going future ready this whole thing. What are you seeing in our local area and really across the country as far as superintendents trying to push their school districts into computer science education?
2: Well, that's kind of picking back off of of what Michael just said. I mean, there's there's so many districts that are trying to embrace this right now and trying to figure out how, how this piece of computer science fits in with all the other requirements that are set forth. Uh, New Jersey is, is definitely on the track between future ready initiatives, innovate New Jersey and, and the scads of other programs that it offers uh, the state has uh, hinted that computer science will eventually become a requirement uh, for high school graduation, but hasn't really, uh, given us any guidance on how that's going to work yet. So we all know it's coming, but I mean, one of the major steps, uh, in, in realizing the urge for computer science, uh, like, like you, Michael, I remember sitting at an Apple II, uh, playing logo and that was coding. I mean, that was coding all the way. So, you know, I knew it was an important piece and whether it's, it's, it's your logo experience or your experience playing the Oregon trail, you're, you're having some type of memory from the past of knowing that coding and computer science and everything else that is associated with computer science is a part of our lifestyle. And again, that's that cultural shift going from you know when we were playing Logo, that was like a fancy thing that maybe you know, the upper and you know, schools with a little bit of extra money had because they could buy a set of computers and play Mystery House and Logo and run basic code. But now everybody and almost everybody has a smartphone or tablet or some type of wireless device. Students in all schools are now in New Jersey are taking their standardized assessments uh, via the Internet, unless there's a, a regulation for special education or 504 students. So you're you're in a situation where it's not only having to be embraced, but it's having the opportunity to utilize what it has to offer. So again, that cultural shift that uh, compounded with the importance of how it's going to change our society and how it already has changed our society. So people are starting to really understand that you know, our computers are, and internet is, is kind of like a way of life at this point. Uh, one of the analogies I use with a lot of teachers and, and when I give professional development is if you left your cell phone at home, you'd be going around on five minutes. If, if you left, you'd, you'd be freaking out after a half hour because everything's on your phone at this point. You could do everything from turn on your lights to order dinner to, oh, who knows? I mean, 700 apps come out every single week. 700 apps every single week. It's insane. And in order to embrace that, again, that of of where we are today, we have to have the skill set of how these things work. And so, you know, I I commend what all the major districts are doing right now, whether it's just injecting it as, uh, you know, a basis or having it as a requirement like Chicago does. We have to realize that this is where we are today. And it's not, this isn't a fad. This isn't, you know, uh, the, the edgy babble or buzzword of the day. This is a part of our lives and this is a part of our futures. And since we're in the business of educating the future, we need to provide the future with the tools and the mindset that is required to be of the future.
0: Well put absolutely well put on that one jay i i want to throw one last question here before we wrap up everything and jay i want to get your opinion first and then i'll bring it over to michael here now this is a a very important question here that you kind of tip us off on here jay but if you had to pick one and i want you to defend your answer jay oregon trail number munchers or carmen san diego
2: oh um and why wow I, I was very diehard Carmen San Diego. Uh, I had the encyclopedia and sat at my computer for hours. Uh, but I, I would, I'm going to have to give it to fording the river with the Oregon Trail just for the uh, the sole reason of, of not only having great memories uh, as a kid, but being a former social studies teacher, I got to turnkey uh, my experiences and have those kids play. Um, and now reaching out, uh, I had a couple students – former students last week who are teachers that are using the Oregon trail, uh, in, in their classes, which is just absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, it, it's a little bit of goofiness. It's a little bit of fun. It's a lot of history. And again, you know, uh, the, the simplicities of, of fording the river,
0: Mike Oregon trail number munchers, Carmen San Diego.
1: Uh, I'm going to confess. I've never played any of those games. What? Yes. Shocking. I know. All right.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: I did. Oh. I did. Uh, I
1: have, I have done other things, but not those. Well, well, what, what were your like, games growing if,
2: up? If you want here, <laughs> I don't know if you could see this or not, but this is actually the, uh, this is the, the non-computer version. This came out this year and this is the card game version of the Oregon trail. So, uh if if you want to, uh, I believe it's uh eleven ninety-five uh that you could purchase online, but it's by far one of the best games around. Uh, I, I hope Santa visits you with, with an opportunity of uh and such game. Do you actually get the dysentery if you play the game? Uh <laughs> you can definitely die of dysentery and uh you could also choose to uh bury that person or keep going. One of the things that uh that I laughed at as a student and my eighth graders always laughed at um, is that when somebody dies on the Oregon Trail, you either give them a proper burial or you just keep going and you have to weigh the pitfalls. You know, you have to like, well, if we give them a proper burial, that's three more days off the road and this and that, or we could just dump the body on the side and just keep going. But your morale goes low. So there's so many different scenarios. Such a neat game. Um, do, for, do, do you, do you, you have never a... play Carmen Sandiego either? <laughs> Michael, uh, I, I, I really haven't lived. Jay, there's a we have a
0: road trip going on here up to New York City.
2: I'm just gonna say I'm coming to the city tomorrow. Tell me where you're at. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to school you in some just some some basics here. So. All right,
1: I'm, I'm in. I'm in. If you guys want to come visit me, uh, I, I'll we'll make it happen.
0: I I would we're love there. to. I I would love to. Um, yeah, that yeah, definitely H- hitch up the, the 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 broken wagon wheels and uh what is the first question on that game do you want to take the turnpike or the parkway and then we can figure out which which right. way to bring the wagon and stuff right so yeah
1: um can you ditch dead bodies by the parkway <laughs>
2: that well, automatically it it's been common practice what, for a long time once, time, once right? you get above yeah.
0: 195 you're pretty much right okay <laughs> that was going a little bit too local for everybody um <laughs> You know, we say this at the end of all of our, our coding hour of code type, type shows. I, I, we, we have to continue these conversations. Mike, I definitely want to keep in touch. Definitely want to have you back on the program. And, you know, uh, tell us one more time, where can anybody get in touch with you and reach out to CSNYC? And, and one more time, can you plug the latest and greatest that's happening over at CSNYC?
1: Great. So uh, CSNYC, we are the nonprofit that is supporting the city to develop its 10-year its plan to reach uh, every student, every school with computer science. We're at CSNYC.org. And um, we are supporting the New York City Computer Science for All initiative, which is now a formidable thing, um, thanks to lots of great people and belief in this mission. Um, I mentioned earlier that we also launched um, CSforAll.org in September. And that is a place where we are just getting started, but there is a members page where you can see, um, you can filter content providers by grade level and other things. So um, we're trying to use that as a launch pad for folks to see what's out there and eventually start connecting the community so that more stuff can happen across different cities and states.
0: And definitely we, we will have all of these links on our website over on teachercast.net. Uh, this is episode 143, I believe. I got to double check that, but it's 140 something in there. Um, we will make sure we have all the links to that stuff. And and thank you so much, Mike, for coming on and sharing this. Jay, I'll give you the final word on all of this. Where can we get a hold of you and learn about the great stuff happening in your neck of the woods?
2: Uh, you could just find me on Twitter at j underscore eitner e i t n e r and you could go to my website at j com. excellent
0: and one more time thank you everybody out there for listening to today's podcast on computer science education week if you guys out there are celebrating the hour of code we'd love to hear from you reach out to us on twitter at teachercast. leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail email us at feedback at teachercast.net and check out this and all of our shows on coding and it's Computer Science Education Week on TeacherCast.net slash audio and TeacherCast.net slash video. And on behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury saying keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.